Hello, welcome to Raja Reads. I'm Masood Raja, and on this channel, I introduce you to books from different parts of the world. And today, I have a really interesting book to talk about, and that is Atik Rahimi's Earth and Ashes. Earth and Ashes, which in Farsi is called Hakastaro Hak. Now, somehow, this beautiful novel, published within the backdrop of Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, got unnoticed in the United States. But I find it to be one of the most compelling stories written in the times of war about war and what it does to people. A little bit about Atik Rahimi. Atik Rahimi is actually from Afghanistan. Of course, he was born there then in the 1970s, mid-70s, when the Soviets invade Afghanistan. He and his family escaped to Pakistan, and from there he goes to France. And he has lived in France most of his life, and he's a very well-known filmmaker. That's what he studied in college. And actually, he has also produced a movie version of the novel, or novella. You can call it a novella. It's a very brief novella. But he is a prominent Afghan filmmaker, and he has even gone back to Afghanistan several times to establish an art school and to train people to write and film highly committed to the cause of Afghanistan. Now coming back to the, the novel, the novel is set in probably 1980, about a year after the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. The resistance movement has not become huge and maybe does not have the international support, but the Soviets hold most of the country. And Pockets of Afghan resistance are emerging everywhere. And that's the backdrop. The Soviet-backed government is still in power, and they're the ones who are running the country. And in terms of the plot, it's a simple but extremely beguiling plot in its simplicity we have the story of a grandfather traveling with his grandson from his village all the way to a mine where his son works. The grandfather's name is Dastagir, the grandson's name is Yasin, and the son's name is Murad. These are the three main characters, two that travel across the land, and third, that they are trying to reach. So it's kind of a quest narrative, right? Quest, seeking a person. Literally this time at the heart of a mine, right? And the events involved, the framing of the story involves the invasion of Dastagir's village by the Soviet troops the destruction of the village, actually the firebombing of the village in which all his family dies, his daughter-in-law dies, his two sons and his son and his wife die, and the only survivor is the young child, Yasin, who's about five or six. And because of the bombing, he has lost his hearing. 
And so the grandfather takes his only surviving uh, grandchild and walks to the place where his son works in the mine to bring him the news of the death of the family because that is his familial obligation but also a cultural obligation is to inform others that so and so has died. That is the quest. Now as we meet these two characters, they are sitting by the roadside. They are almost starving and they are waiting for some bus or truck to come along that is going towards the mine. There is a bridge that all these vehicles have to cross and there is a sentry post where there is only one policeman. And most of the times we are in Dastagir's head where he is juggling his nightmares of what has just happened, thinking about his childhood and imagining how his son will respond, actually rehearsing how he will break the news to his son. Because he also knows that his son is short-tempered in a way because he's proud. And two, if he hears that the Soviets have killed his family, he will seek revenge. But most importantly, what the grandfather is rehearsing in his head is as to how to break the news to his son. He also has certain expectations, right, that his son will be incensed, that his son will become the support for him and for his grandson that he culturally expects of him. And then, finally, you know, through the kindness of a shopkeeper there who insists that he will take care of his grandson as he travels in the truck that is going towards the mine, he is able to go to the mine and he meets the foreman, right? And the foreman tells him, that his son is alive and fine, but he is in the deepest part of the mine, so they, he cannot meet him. But as soon as he comes out, he would be able to meet him. But the strangest thing that he tells him is that your son knows that your village got destroyed, and he thinks you are dead too. And that sends the Stagir thinking, right? Culturally speaking, that if my son knew that his village has been destroyed, that all of us has been killed. Why is he still here, right? Why hasn't he gone to his village to mourn the dead, which would be expected, right? So as he's leaving, these thoughts are in his mind and a servant from the company, the foreman's peon, you can say, runs out and says, I'm not allowed to speak to you. But these people have told your son that the Mujahideen, the rebels, killed people in your village. So he is now a sympathizer of the Soviet regime and their extension, and they don't want him to leave. So in a way, what he learns is that not only has he lost all his family to the Soviets, his only son has become a Soviet sympathizer because he doesn't know the truth. And he's being trained to be a good soldier with the Soviet sympathizers. And that's kind of a double loss for him, right? So as a gesture, because he knows that he can no longer do anything there, he gives his 
snuff box, the nasvar box to this soldier and says, tell my son that his father and his son is alive and that he came here to see him, to bring him the news. And just give him this snuff box. He will remember it because he gave it to me. And as he's walking back to the truck that he can take back to where he had left his grandson, the thoughts in his mind are, you know, profound. What is at stake here for him is what kind of a son will emerge from this experience. He, he knows that his son would know if when he sees the snuff box that his father is alive. And, you know, and that's where the novel ends, at this unresolved ending, because what he will find out, and I read from the book, Murad will recognize your Naswar box. After all, he gave it to you himself. The first time he was paid, as soon as he sees the box, he will know you are alive. If he comes after you, you will know Murad is your Murad. If he doesn't, you will have no Murad anymore. Go, get your scene and return to the village. Wait there for a few days. Right? So in a way, his quest has now become a test. What kind of a son does he have? Would it be a son who will find the evidence of his life but do nothing, not come back to the village? Then he knows he has lost everything except for the grandson. Or would it be a son who will honor the family and cultural tradition and come back? seeking his father, just like the father had gone to seek his son. That is at stake for him. So that's the story, roughly speaking. But as I said, it is beguiling in its simplicity. The narration itself is really interesting because it's a second-person narrator. But traditionally, the second-person narrator speaks to you, the reader. Right? You have just picked up this book. That is Italo Calvino. And if on a winter's night to travel. But here, the, the pronoun you is used to address the stagir. So the narrator is not talking to me, you, the reader, but you, the main character, the old man, the stagir. And it kind of points us back to the narrator pointing to the stagir and addressing him as we read the novel. So that makes it really interesting. Now, please bear in mind that this was written in Farsi, in Afghan, Persian, and then translated into English, right? And that act of translation makes us lose, you know, a certain depth of the story. There are also cultural allusions in the text, especially to the great Persian epic Shahnameh, right? And Shahnameh has a villain figure, Zohak. He is the, the demon king who controls serpents and they eat young people's minds, right? And then there is Rostam, the warrior, and Sohrab, his unknown son, son that he had produced unknowingly with Tehmine, the princess. And the final tragedy of it is when Sohrab and Rostam meet in battle on opposite sides. 
and Rostam kills his own son and then he sees this Emily and he remembers he had given it to Tehmine and that's when he realizes he has killed his son. That is the ultimate tragedy in Shahnameh. Interestingly enough, you will find the same kind of story in the Irish legends as well. I mean, there's a famous poem by uh, W.B. Yeats, Koholan fights the ocean, right, or the sea because he has just killed the son that he didn't know. So there are equals in legendary tales, and you can make references to this. So it's interesting to know Shahnameh, especially Zohak. Who is Zohak? Because his serpents eats the mind, brains of the young. And in this case, obviously, the Communist Party is doing that, because we don't know if Murad's brain belongs to his family or has he been indoctrinated so much that he'll become one of the foot soldiers of the communist regime. Beyond that, what the novel also captures brilliantly is the harshness of the land, right? And the trauma of war, like the dreams that Dastagir has simply when he closes his eyes, make you witness to someone's war trauma and what they go through, how do they relive every moment of it. And then the landscape that they are walking is so demanding, is so harsh. And, and the only thing that tempers it, that makes it bearable, is the kindness of strangers. Like the Mirza, Mirza Qadarbeg, the shopkeeper, who knows that Dastagir is in stress, invites him in, gives them water, tea. So juxtapose against the harshness of the land and the perils of war is this human connection between humans who are complete strangers but they can still help each other right so that's how I read the novel now I had decided that on this channel I'll just do brief introductions right but some of the subscribers have requested that I should do longer analysis. So that's why this brief novel that you just see, right? It's, it's a novella, less than 100 pages, right? In this printed form, it's 82 pages. And so that's why I'm prolonging it, because I also want to give you some ideas of how to think about the novel how to think about Afghan war and, and that, that the novel carries in so many ways the harsh experience of Afghan people during the time of Soviet invasion and maybe we can expand it to contemporary time and see what war can do to people, what it can do to families. So if you really wanted to do research on it, and I highly recommend you write something about it, I would love for you to see how this novella compares with an Afghan novel that did get a lot of attention, and that was The Kite Runner. See what makes that popular and what made this one neglected. What is the reason? I mean, in my personal opinion, the reason is that this wasn't necessarily written for a Western audience. This was written to tell an Afghan story. And it doesn't pander to anyone, right? And that's what makes this novel unique. I have taught it. I have read it several times. It's a pretty fast read, but I can promise you if you read it carefully, it will make you think deeply about Afghanistan's history and what happened there and is still happening. But more importantly, 
it will tell you something beyond that about the nature of human relationships, the place of family in it. How does war impact us? How does war impact those who lose people in it? And then what's at stake when human beings pit each other against each other, right? When ideologies clash. So this little novel can help us see all those things and think about them and reflect about them. And in my opinion, that is what makes any novel or any story worth reading, right? And worth our attention. So that's all I have to say. I highly recommend it. Please find it, read it, watch the movie, and then share your thoughts with me. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you would like to add something to what I've just talked about. That's all. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other in this pandemic. And I will now see you next time. Until then, peace and love.